Hello, and welcome to the week in review. I'm Misty Wicketts, back at the helm this week. Um, I missed out on last week, but I was uh, carried along by the um, venerable Luke Perry and Mario Legos. Uh, Luke, how are you, sir? I'm very well. How are you? I'm good. You know what? It's a nice day. Hmm. It's a really nice day. Yeah. Uh, how's the weather down in the uh, southwest barrier? Um, you know, tepid, average, nothing to write home about, sort of October-y. Really? It's quite, it's quite sunny up here. It was very hot yesterday. Mm, mm. Um, now it's sort of reverting back to, you know, October mean. I think it was, a, was it a record hot day yesterday? Because I had a little um, notification pop up on my Windows toolbar to say record high. And I, I can't say I fact-checked it, but... And we've already lost the audience. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll move it's along. Rude, said. We'll move along there. There is a um, an unfortunate tradition on this podcast, um, the the, the Bournebrook curse or the podcast curse, where we always seem to miss major events by a day or so. Um, it started up with the very the very first episode where we we recorded uh, the, on January fifth, two thousand twenty one. Um, and yeah, today is uh, no different. Last week we spoke about the. Um, the Tory party's leadership race, uh, which has since evaporated, and um, Rishi Goldman Sachs uh, Sunak has now um, cakewalked himself into 10, 10 Downing Street. What do you make of this, Mario? Well, I was very excited about the prospect of a return of Big Dog. I thought that was quite exciting. Mm, mm. I thought it would have been funny. I thought it would have been the logical next step for hyper-reality. Mm-hmm. Um, that didn't come to pass, although Boris claimed to, and I believe actually did have sufficient nominations to get on the ballot and win. He realised that his government would have collapsed shortly thereafter. And so Rashid Sanuk is our new prime minister. Mm. And, you know, I don't think that's an entirely bad thing based on the options that are on the table. I think... Um, you know, it's difficult to say where to start and it's difficult to say where things are going to go, but we've got a clear idea of it because there's a sense in which they're straight-jacketed by events over the recent weeks in the markets um, in relation to borrowing costs and so on. So the economic path is in a way set and there's, there's a small amount of wriggle room, but we know where things are headed. Um, the interesting thing to observe, to, to, to take note of, will be, does he do anything with immigration? Because that's an area that is not, um, you know, outside of um, bodies and interests we've discussed previously. That's an area where he can really make a difference. And it's probably his only area um, in which to, um, his only area where he can make play in terms of winning popular support to have any chance of winning an election. Yeah, and there's a few, a few things there. I mean, firstly, before we even get into that, uh, going back to the whole Johnson thing, I remember thinking, I saw an article about how a lot of Sunak's pledges has sort of jumped ship, and I remember thinking to myself, you know, no screenwriter could write the sheer narrative excellence of that month in British politics. It was just it was a complete clown show. I mean, as someone who has absolutely zero faith in democracy anymore, it, it was just funny 
No, and you mentioned you know, Johnson Kovac would would have been funny. Um, on the Sunak thing, I mean, he, he's made a few encouraging, vaguely encouraging comments. Like you know, he he seemed to endorse the Rwanda plan. Um, he made some comments on grooming gangs. I'm not, I'm not sure if that was recent or it was the last not. leadership election. Okay, okay. okay. So what, what 2019 or, or the, the most recent the one where he lost to Liz Truss? Yeah, right, okay, right. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I I don't think he'll do anything just because you know. It, the Tory party don't have any interest in anything, but between now and the election, he probably has enough pull in Parliament to get most things across the line if he can get the party together. Um, but I mean, we'll we'll see. I mean, uh, Luke, anything to say? Yeah, we're all dilly dallying about what sort of Prime Minister Rishi Sunak will be and what he will do. Frankly, I think we have less of an idea about him than we did Liz Trust. Uh, well, the re- reasons being, we don't know whether the Tories are going to survive, of course, the next general election, or whether Rishi Sunak will be at the helm for the next general election. Things are so chaotic at Tory HQ. Uh, but he was also, of course, elect- became Prime Minister, wasn't elected, without the approval of the Tory membership, and certainly not with any voters. He didn't put any policy proposal forward. It became just a straight shoot-down between Big Dog and uh, just Rishi Sunak, who were just the the sort of the two facemen of the COVID era. Mm-hmm. But what we do know about Sunak is that he's um, he's an establishment through and through. I mean, here was, of course, a Goldman Sachs banker. He gave up a very lucrative career in America, a finance career in America in 2013, immediately runs for, for the political arena, gets parachuted into a North Yorkshire safe seat, and uh, as quick as lightning, becomes a key cabinet member and effectively second in command. Mm. I mean, now, many, many of our lives were, of course, were shaped by uh, Sunak's legacy over the past couple of years, the, the furlough scheme, because mm. he's a notorious brainchild. And he's a classes his legacy to that. It's up to help out as well, one of his initiatives. Mm. And he was also, of course, a fan of um, uh, paperless money. When uh, That week when uh, Parliament just uh, hit the dystopia button. Mm-hmm. That's the type of politician he is. Yes, he. I mean, you mentioned North Yorkshire. I mean, the guy is from Southampton and was scored in Hampshire. Um, you know, he went to university in America. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, he he went. He did his M, he did his MBA in America. I think he did on undergraduate at uh, Cambridge or Oxford. I mean, either way, the guy Yorkshire. Has, then the guy has as much connection to North Yorkshire as I do. Um, there is one question to be asked of Sunak, and that is the presence in his immediate family of, a, of an oligarch um, from another land. Um, you know, pe- pe- people sort of brush that off and say, oh, that's mad, that's mad, that's mad, that's only India. But I mean, can you imagine if, you know, the prime minister was the son-in-law of a Russian oligarch? Or, you know, it, it would raise legitimate questions about national security, um, which, you know, aren't particularly being raised now. And another thing you mentioned, you know, cashless society, that's the thing that he, I think he's probably the first Tory MP, Tory PM, sorry, in, in, in quite a while, to, ever really, to not be a boomer. He, he does have that kind of um, slightly young sort of tech bro kind of outlook, you know, um, purely technocratic, um, you know, m- made his fortune in, you know, in the imaginary money and assets, you know, he's very much a digital person, you know, breathe the, breathe the most, you know, contemporary minded of, of PMs. Yeah, well, he um, 
is it Nigel Farage who called who called Sunak part of the Silicon Valley Club or something like that? I mean, and he, he you know. not necessarily Silicon Valley because he's he's Goldman Sachs, but I mean, you know, he, he you know he 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 did his MBA at Stanford, you know, which is Northern California, you know, that sort of neck of the woods. So he's probably yeah, pretty very much around that culture at an age where he was very impressionable. Well, you know, he seems like the person who'd be quite comfortable if not ecstatic about the prospect of going into an apple store and having a conversation with somebody called drew about <laughs> you know repairing his phone there's an old sketch um i can't remember so one of those comedians who was popular in 2010 did a big sketch about that uh, about an american called drew who works in an apple store Maybe <laughs> it's, um, um russell or something the best description that I've seen of Sunak is where someone on Twitter just took a clip of him in his documentary, I think, which shot about 20 years ago when he was at some public school. And uh, it, it encapsulates, encapsulates him perfectly. He looks like the guy who's just read a book called How to Be a Politician 101, becomes so generic and so stale. There's just no fire in his rhetoric. He plays it safe any chance he gets, so he's perfect for a Tory yeah. party managing Britain's decline. And that's what he has. He's just without spirit. He's mm. just going with the flow. One thing I do want to say, though, is, you know, this stuff is obviously fun, but what's really important to look at is the appointments he's made to the Cabinet. And there's two examples I think are worth mentioning. Jeremy Hunt can't be moved um for you know for the market instability that would cause so let's park that um andrew mitchell is the head of foreign development foreign <laughs> uh, i forget what the department's called um the whatever that i i don't know who that is should i plebgate guy oh wow he's still around yeah yeah but he's one of the biggest supporters of 0.7 percent on foreign aid He's one of the people that's always pushing to increase foreign aid to, you know, he just, he can't wait to give more and more of our money away. He's always campaigning for it. Vociferously opposed the cut from 0.7 to 0.5, the temporary cut. He said it would kill a quarter of a million people in the third world if we did that, you know, bullshit. Um, so he's now in charge of foreign aid. So I think we can expect that 0.5, well, I don't understand why he would have accepted that position if not for the understanding that the the aid target will be returning to its 0.7 or the actual aid amount will return to its 0.7 target. So, but to me, that seems like it would be, you know, politically suicidal perhaps in the current climate. But then again, given what the media chooses and chooses not to report on, it might never even make a single headline if they do. Yeah, see, that's the thing. Something that we would consider to be worthy of political suicide is, is, is generally speaking, not. Yeah, it won't even be reported on. Do you guys recall when, when Sunak said that he was a <laughs> said that he was a coke addict, mm -hmm. refer, referring to the drink? <laughs> well, the, the, you know the story behind. It was, as far as I understand it. He was he was really hyping up the prospect of Mexican Coke to these students, and he was insisting that Mexican Coke is the is the really the best Coca Cola in the world, far superior to Coca Cola anywhere else. Mexican Coke dropped off the seas of Florida is truly mind blowing. <laughs> the the reason he was saying that is because he spends so much time in America, and in America. Um, Coke is made differently to everywhere else in the world. It's made with something synthetic or some mm -hmm. fructose syrup or corn syrup or something, right? So if you want the same Coke that we have in England, they have to buy it from Mexico. 
Right, so he was under the impression the entire time that Mexican Coke was unique to the world. When it, it wasn't, it was just superior to the North American version. So he's he's in England all the time, importing Coke from Mexico, not realizing it's the same thing that you buy in Tesco, thinking it's a superior drink. <laughs> but there is there is one thing that I do need to say about Sunak, and I, I I've I I put this on Twitter a while ago and, and caught some flack for it. So I mean. Uh, if you wish to do the same, then you know jo- join the queue. But um, I take issue with him being five foot seven. Yeah, he's too tall. He's too short. He's too he's too little. You know, men that small have a lifetime of like built up resentment and and frustration and aggression and envy. You know, I I don't I don't know if that's a good idea to to unleash a a, a manless upon upon a nation in turmoil. I've never got those vibes from him. I think I think he enjoys being small. I think he has great fun doing those propaganda pictures, particularly when he worked at the Treasury, where he would use every camera trick. His his team would employ every camera trick under the sun in order to make him appear like a normal sized human being. You know, <laughs> he's like false perspective. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Any picture with him and like an a, a average sized man just makes him look comically small. Not, not only comically short, but co- comically skinny as well. The guy has the body of a of a thirteen year old. Yeah, I don't like that. He needs to, you know, yeah, he needs to do some weight. lifting. I don't think that will help because I, I know guys who are very short who who resort to gains to kind of like address it, but they just look weird and like you know oblong. It's just like rectangles. Pretty, yeah, kind of, yeah. Like sort of, yeah, like uh, like like portrait rectangles, you know. Yeah, it's 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 not a good aspect ratio. I mean, a, a buff Sunak would be quite cool. We could have a sort of Bollywood leading man as the UK Prime Minister just going around. Like a Bollywood action hero, but it's like he stops cars with his bare hands. But again, yeah. that would only work through a screen. I mean, I'm six foot two, right? I've got, what? Seven yeah, we know you're like seven inches. I'm seven inches taller than you know, right? If I was standing next to him, I would I would not think this man is my, is my prime minister. I think this man is a little gimp. This is a little manlet. I do not respect him. I do not trust what he says. I, I'm not going to listen to him. Honestly, if he come up to you and stop doing that, you you just laugh in his face. Well, I'm beginning to think you commit hate crimes against small people. <laughs> sometimes. I don't think modern 21st century prime ministers need to be sort of Conan the Barbarian types. I know. I, I, I agree with you, but I mean, there are some... If that happened, our problems would be over. But there, there is some meeting point between, you know, peak Arnie and a five foot seven, 99 pounds soaking wet tech bro. Well, give us an example of a prime minister of our, in our lifetime who you think's been, you know, had good physique, good leadership physique. Well... There, there are none that I can think of. I mean, you know, I mean, hey, like I don't like David Cameron, but at least, at least he was, you know, normal looking. Yeah. What about Boris, uh, who sort of shared with Trump something that Nigel Farage definitely did say that silverback gorilla, uh, imposing. You no, you don't, don't go. No, 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 he's not. He's not silverback. He's just flabby back. Yeah. You know? Um. Who else? Brown. Again, he's just he's Again, just big. He's just big. Yeah, he's well, big he was player. a rugby player in his youth. I mean, you know, we saw. Yeah, about forty years before he became prime minister. Well, you know. Yeah, I, I, okay. I mean, granted, this is uh, I'm being slightly mimetic here. I'm talking, you know, uh, take take it with a pinch of salt. But but again, I just, I, I, I can't imagine someone that little, 
going to the G8 and like asserting Britain on the world stage. How tall is? Oh, well, it'd be in competition. Would there be him, Trudeau, Macron, who's like discount Napoleon, and <laughs> that that's his competition. So they're all on just an equal playing field under the six foot bottom. Yeah. I think I think Trudeau's tall, but his testosterone's in negative figures. Yeah, I mean Putin's quite short, but I mean he's he's the he's the inverse where he's like so high T that you know. Yeah. I'm surprised. As far as he hasn't read, Putin always looks like he's memorizing faces. He probably is. Wait, he's got that KGB, isn't he? KGB experience. Yeah. Them instincts. <laughs> what were you gonna say, Mario? Uh, I didn't lost it. I ah, lost it. Well, on that something, we should maybe maybe move along there. Uh, I think we've sort of done a bit another of... small man. I think we've ribbed the small men. I think Elon's quite tall, right? I don't know, I've never stood next to him, but um, yes, we are talking about uh, Elon Musk, who um, after a very long and drawn out and somewhat litigious process has, has become um, the uh, CEO of Twitter, uh, immediately firing uh, the CEO, uh, Parag Agarwal, Agarwal, and um, the woman who uh, was head of the trust and safety board who made the call to permanently ban Donald Trump, who may be returning, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, it started out with, uh, I think, a beautifully executed dad joke, where he comes in to to, to the lobby with a sink, and tweets it out <laughs> saying, "Let that sink in." It's it's you know what it's I I love a good dad joke. Uh, it was glorious. And then course, he changed his Twitter profile to the photo of him holding that sink. He, he, did, he, did, he did. He did. Yeah, yeah. He did. He did. He um, did. Uh, uh, pure cultural moment captured right there um how bizarre our time actually is when you really think about it um but yeah musk is now a uh, head of twitter um he's come in apparently he's he's got rid of s- several high-ranking officials in the company um has pledged to put together a new board based on politically diverse people so i mean that'll probably be just the center left or the center right um yeah, uh, but it, it it it's looking like it's going to be a new age on Twitter. Do you guys agree? Yes, yeah, certainly. Uh, and he's done uh, what a, a, any sort sorts of dissident, or, you know, not sort of dissident, but any movement that opposes this so-called wokey politics needs to do. They don't just need to take over. They don't just need to be like the Tory government and just sit at the helm and just not clear out the rock from underneath it. They they do need to purge the personnel. These unaccountable shadow figures, who no one knows the name of, but they're making everyone's life miserable. And Elon Musk has done that. He sacked uh, all the people that have said that uh, oh, Elon Musk's Twitter takeover is going to be, you know, a, a threat to democracy. He's going to be like I don't know a fascist digital tyrant. And he, he's basically just played the game back at them. That and they have reaped the whirlwind because of it. They have played a censorious game on Twitter since well at least 2016 if not before mm. and now here are the rewards for such I mean, only he could have done it though right i mean who else has 44 billion laying around that they can use to buy a major yeah. corporation and use it for utilitarian ends i mean the, well the... even he didn't have 44 billion lying around he had to borrow money mm. because his money's in shares and if he sells 44 billion worth of shares well then it's going to crash his share price and yeah. you know lead to a sort of catch 22 in which i sell more and more shares but for sure it it takes someone of his power and stature to be able to you know have that kind of borrowing facility and and as you say to to pick twitter up like this which is good i mean 
it comes after this three-part Elon Musk documentary series on iPlayer, which you may have seen, which was quite interesting, talking about SpaceX and how they got their contracts and the trials and tribulations of sending rockets up. And clearly, you know, if you didn't know it before, um, this is a highly, highly intelligent guy. Um, somebody who's not captured by ideology. Um, any, 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 like not even particular, not even particularly reactionary ideologies, none at all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I mean. He's too techno-brained, autistically minded uh, to be um, emotionally invested in a left or a right-wing position. I mean, he, he, he seems to be, you know, what Jordan Peterson would call, you know, somebody who's interested in things. You know, parts, mm. engineers, rockets, the functioning of society, the mechanics of the world. Um, and that's good. I mean, um, from our perspective, and when I say our perspective, I mean the people uh, whose speech has been infringed upon on these major platforms over the you know recent months and years. Um, and, you know, just think about how many um, great personalities there are that have been kicked off of Twitter. And, you know, who's going to make an account on, you know, Parler, Truth Social, Getter, Gab? You know, you need about eight different accounts to try and follow what people are saying now. Um, and Elon's right, they do need to be reintroduced to the town square, which is what Twitter is. Yeah, the 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 horses bolted on anything challenging Twitter for what Twitter is. You know, um, it being you know extremely simple text based um, social network. I mean, yeah, I mean, like I I had accounts on Parler and Getter, and I maybe posted once on each. Lasted about a day and a half before getting bored and you know, deleting the app because yeah, you get this kind of like real surge of excitement when Nuking comes along and then eventually you realise well no because I mean it's one thing to sort of retreat into the woods and start swinging your sword of thin air, as you know. Meanwhile, the, the battlefield is you know five acres over. Um, yeah, it's also they're full of crazy. Is where everything is yeah go on Mario. Well, uh, just quickly, uh, the, the these alternatives. If you have a social media, I mean. Most people use social media for reasons other than politics, you know, to communicate with their family, to talk about cars, to talk about other hobbies and interests, to share photographs and videos. Um, so if you have a social <clears throat> media network that's entirely comprised of people who have been exiled from mainstream social media for their political views, it's it's going to be a hotbed of craziness mm. because you, you, you can't have, uh, you know, the environment needs to be balanced out by people who aren't interested in politics or don't have a particular position who aren't going to reinforce your view. It's, there's really no fun being in an echo chamber that exists purely to hear Donald Trump's latest sort of lame ass yeah. I mean, and also people just screen cap them and put them on Twitter anyway. Yeah. Mm. You know, um, yeah, I mean, uh, there is obviously, you know, there is obviously there is some utility in something resembling an echo chamber. Um, you know, for, for example, I think Bournemouth would, would be kind of unbearable if we had, you know, a handful of hardcore progressives who just, you know, reigned in every probe we had. Um, but when it comes to yeah, social media platforms, it's just it's just boring, you know. Um, I mean, bear in mind, I'm not someone who really engages with the other side on Twitter. You know, I don't, I don't see the point in it. These people are, you know, beyond helping. Um, but one thing that it does have that no one can compete with is the neutral market. You know, people yeah. who can be can read a tweet or see a video, and go, huh, 
No, I, I never saw it, saw it that way before. You know, like that that kind of person only exists on the monopolistic platforms. I, I said, you know, the, the, as far as Twitter goes and Instagram and TikTok and whatever, the, the horse is bolted. You know, it's 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 set in place. It's so ingrained within culture. Unlike how it was in like you know two thousand sort of ten when Facebook began to sort of slip away, it's so ingrained now in culture that you know it's basically these brands have become you know regular nouns. Yeah, and the uh, the sort of like that brief period sort of in the Trump presidency when so Parler and the Telegram were all set up, it was just the right sort of rebellion against these these established platforms that were censoring them, and then they quickly found out that. Uh, once they set themselves up in their silos, uh, there's no progressive in them and they can be free to be attacked and completely destroyed. Twitter, mm. as it's this neutral sphere, not just of politics, but, but of everything, on a Saturday like today, the top trending things will not be, Rishi Sunak, they'll be about yeah. football. Well, they'll be hashtag, you know, Man United and whatnot. Yeah. And so that, that's why Twitter's never going to get destroyed and with regarding echo chambers you, you can still create your own echo chambers on twitter it's, it's like yeah, everyone yeah. it was openly progressive unless they were just the odd manufactured tweets sponsored by the company itself mm. you could just create your page into whatever you liked it whatever niche brand of conspiracy politics that took your hand yeah but also i mean like you say echo chamber i mean i, I think at this point it's virtually impossible for someone who's a dissident to live in an echo chamber Unless you go, no, they've, they've seen the Matrix. Unless you go full Uncle Ted and just like piss off to you know the the the, the just the sticks somewhere. I don't know, guys. I see so many people whose entire lives seem to revolve, and I, you know, these people are like hydras. The more I block them, the more there are of them. The more, more whose entire lives seem to be absolutely um, spazzing out about chemtrails. Um, that might just be the company that you keep, Mario, because I, I haven't seen Chemtrails since I... Infowars was on YouTube still. Chemtrails is coming back. <laughs> is it really? Chemtrails is making a comeback. It, it, Mario, Earth it, it's... is making a comeback. What's next? Um, the, the, the Illuminati? The Illuminati, no, but I mean, that, that's all been um, subsumed by QAnon. So that, um... that does, that is, um, what's the word for that? Having a fresh wind in that sense. Um, and you know, they, anything that's they mentioned, do, they mentioned it, they're not at all dissimilar. No, I, I mean, here's another thing, right? Uh, world, world Economic Forum, okay, there's something to be said about supranational organizations, technocracy. Okay, we've all we talked about that for many, many hours. Um, but some people think you know, everything that happens, you know, has been ordered by Klaus Schwab as if he's sort of Emperor Palpatine. And anything that's said on the BBC or ITV or anywhere that isn't um from a sort of from revolver news or, or whatever the hell it is, is some sort of uh you know, they're wow. an agent, it's a yeah, it's a psyop. There so I do wonder if there are some people a growing number of people who are not totally insignificant, who have totally insulated themselves from any kind of mainstream liberal. But then again, if you leave the house to get bread and milk, you'll see like a billboard or an advert on a bus, you know, or or you'll you know, or you'll you'll see you'll still see like like a leftover, you know, pop your mask on sign on the door, or you know, anything like that. I mean, I I don't think I've left the house for longer than half an hour and not seen some form of progressive messaging. I saw a good one this summer, um, a, a bit of progressive messaging, which 
you'll enjoy. It was a castle, and obviously the castle had a connection to William the Conqueror, as just about every castle in England does. And there was a picture of William the Conqueror and uh, a cartoon picture on the sign, you know, that was describing him. And he had he had an afro and black skin. Hmm. Yeah. It was very interesting. Well, no, yeah, I mean, um, you see that on even things like the covers for, like, horrible history books, you know, about the Anglo-Saxons. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we were Saxons. Um, the best yeah. one I've seen of my own personal life is uh, the captures that I buy. And uh, on the back, there's a little LGBT flag, the traditional standard rainbow colours, not the pack that they have now. And uh, it's saying that some of our profits go towards uh, helping LGBT youth with their mental health or something on a, a packet of cat treats. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's 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 virtually impossible to avoid. I mean, obviously... but, but to be fair, just quickly, that's because everyone who owns a cat is gay. That's why I, they do that. I own a cat. Danger! You're in the danger zone. You're absolutely in the danger zone. That's why they put that on cat treats. <laughs> I buy. I'm beginning. I'm I recognise what a echo chamber Mario has insulated himself in. <laughs> 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 the conspiracy of cat treats and homosexuality. The hetero position is dog ownership. They, 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 yeah, they are putting chemicals. They're, they're putting chemicals in the felix that is turning the cat gay. Owning a cat is like having an, uh, an earring in your left ear. Um, no. I also the left ear is, is not is not the straight ear. I don't know. I'm not that. But, uh, no, I I I have a cat. I, I've owned this cat since I was eight years old. She's 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 my cat. She's my best friend. I love her to death. That's good. We, we get on very well. Good. She's got a little uh, Charlie Chaplin moustache, and yes, a Charlie Chaplin moustache. Is your is your cat? Well, actually, I won't ask you to introduce your cat to the screen because our listeners won't be able to see it. But otherwise, also, she's she, she's just out outside somewhere. It's a nice day. Oh, right. she's, she's just sunbathing. Luke's real one. She, she wants um she wants bombed a bombed a recording. Yeah. She like climbed on on my, on my my keyboard and was like in the camera. Yeah. Another thing about uh, have we moved on from Elon Musk or can we? Can we... Well, okay, so we we took a big old tangent to discuss. You know, is it possible for a dissident to live in an echo chamber? Um, right. Do you have anything more to say, on Elon Musk? Well, <clears throat> um, reportedly he's going to sack seventy five percent of all of Twitter's staff, um, and whether that's true or not, I mean, remains to be seen. But that does strike me as curious because. The number that I recall having read was 7,500 people work at Twitter or something approximating that. And is that it? You don't think that's a lot of people? Worldwide? Yeah, for Twitter, 7,500. It, it is a free social media platform. Well, I think that's an astronomical amount of people. Yeah. I, what, in, uh, I suppose if you have like one big head office and a few regional ones, I mean, I, I, I would have guessed around 10, 15,000. Really? I mean, bear in mind that the PLA employs a million people. Yeah, so. PLA. PLA. No, no, it was a joke about the Chinese army. Liberation army. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they don't do as good a job as Twitter. Um, I, you know, to me, that does seem like the kind of thing you can run with five hundred people. I don't see. Why. Yeah, I mean, so because he he does seem to intend on running it at something something of a deficit, right? I mean, he's he's he's. So not that much interest in monetizing Twitter. 
um, rather than having it be like, like a sort of a social utility rather than a, a, a functioning business. Well, I think by the time he returns it to the public market, he, he would like it to break even or make a profit. But I think he's content for it to be a loss-making enterprise as long as he's fulfilling a public good which is the facilitation of free speech, which is good. I mean, I was talking about some of the characters that are going to it. People like Gavin McInnes, right? Yeah. You know, founded Vice magazine, was hugely successful on his own shows that he did after that and in advertising. Clearly a very talented guy. Um, where he got taken down with the Proud Boys uh, and everything, you know, in 2016, 2017, whenever, whenever he got taken down. But, you know, it's a hugely talented... There's so many people like that. Um, Does he even still have an audience? I mean, if he was to come back, would anyone really care? Because, I mean, I... some For some people, the banning thing actually worked out. I mean, Alex Jones probably made more out of being the person than most others did. Um... But like people like Gavin McInnes, Marlo Yiannopoulos, I haven't, I haven't heard that. I haven't really heard from them since. since, since they sort of just like scurried off their tail between their legs, right? Well, I think they exist on different platforms and so on. But the thing about, the, I mean, there's two different types of. There are there are some characters that are that are so enthralling that you you have to follow them, you have to find their their newsletter or whatever. But there are other people who are extremely talented who you're not gonna you don't have time in your life to follow around to the ends of the virtual world. But they add to the texture and the richness of of the of the newsfeed, of the experience, of the you know they throw in those jokes and all the rest of it or memes and and they add to it. And I mean the problem is you know. I'm trying to think of some British examples. Oh, Milo's British, of course. But, you know, even people like Katie Hopkins. Um, yeah. Am I going to go and follow Hopkins World? Uh, no, obviously not. But do I think Twitter would be more interesting if Katie Hopkins was complaining about children who, who are named after places? Yeah, it would be mildly interest, more interesting, you know. Yeah. Um, but going forward, um, it, I, I do have... Sort of mild optimism for how it's going to go. Um, I think the right people are angry, um, which is always nice. Uh, it's always a good litmus test. Are you know are certain blue ticks angry? Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, apart from that, I guess the future won't be seen. Um, I, I would like to think that Elon has good intentions. Um, and that he sort of has enough fu money to not cave on certain things, like bringing back Donald Trump, because that would just be the funniest thing in the world to wake up to. That Trump's back on Twitter, you know, just just taking pot shots at the DNC. Yeah, that would be incredible. Yeah, there's that meme where uh, it's taken from the clip of Elon watching his rocket go up into space, and they're all cheering. And uh, the edited clip of the video is uh, Donald saying, "I'm back." <laughs> and then Twitter HQ just erupts in applause. But yeah, that Trump's definitely back. And he'll probably announce he's running for president again. Well, I mean, he, Twitter, he, he's, got, he's got his reach back, right? I mean, yeah. like, that is basically the, like, that is where, that is, Twitter is from whence he, you know, started that campaign in the first place. Donald Trump, in 2016, Donald Trump got hundreds of millions of dollars in free advertising and could completely skirt federal law on that by tweeting something, just anything, and CNN makes a song and dance about it. So it gets mm. on all the, the legacy media channels. Repeats. 
Yeah, well, I'd be curious to see, to see their viewing figures since he left. He left office. Uh, they're very tanked, but um, they're down. They are certainly down. down. Yeah. Right, right. Well, um, I think on on that note of uh, as I said, mild optimism, we'll uh, leave it there for another week. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you, Mario and Luke, for uh, coming on, and uh, we'll see you again next week. Cheers.